Welcome to The Real Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Max Gershberg. For years now, we've witnessed the once ultra-popular sport of boxing suffer a steady, unceremonious decline in prominence. Boxing today feels far removed from the golden eras of Joe Lewis, Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, Mike Tyson, and has by almost any measure slipped in its cultural relevance. But now, the sport has gotten an infusion of energy and visibility from an unlikely source. A famous online celebrity with no boxing experience who has almost overnight become the biggest draw in the business. That's right, I'm talking about Jake Paul. If you don't know Paul, well, take a look online. He's everywhere. A polarizing internet influencer megastar who now has become a boxer drawing millions of eyeballs and making millions of dollars in the process. And Paul's foray into the ring has some calling him a savior and others a circus act. On today's podcast, you'll hear David Scott's profile of Jake Paul, and later we'll be joined by boxing writer and broadcaster Chris Mannix. Mannix will join us to discuss Paul's meteoric rise, the divisive reaction it's garnered, and what his future in the sport may look like. But first, here's David Scott's latest feature on Jake Paul. He's one of the most gifted provocateurs of the internet era. I'm going over to my brother's house, and we are going to duct tape his entire room. The star of Gonzo Home Videos, watched regularly by his 70 million followers around the world. If you don't have an opinion on Jake Paul, consider yourself behind the times. If you do, you either love him or hate him, but you can't look away. Especially now, as he's making his riskiest move yet. Wow! Yeah, a lot of blood there. With no experience at all, Paul, now 25 years old, has decided to become a full-time professional boxer. Beginning of this oh. there's a nice double jab by Paul. It might seem like his latest crazy stunt, but it also might be a masterstroke, as he's giving everybody a reason to watch, whether you're for him or against him. When your audience assembles, the audience you brought to boxing, are some of them tuning in because they want to see Jake Paul's face get punched in? I'd say 50% of people are hate watching. Does that bother you or does it motivate you or neither? It doesn't bother me at all. It plays into your game? It plays into my bank account. (laughs) Indeed, while Paul is still learning his new trade, his true skill, getting people's attention, has already translated into huge paydays. How much did you make last year boxing? Uh, 45 million. 45 million dollars? Yeah. According to Forbes magazine, um, by purse, you are the number one professional boxer in the world today. That's crazy. <laughs> how, how is that possible? Uh, man, you know, innovation, I think, and doing things differently, and knocking people out. Time to time, just every bit of, oh, In keeping with his gift for shocking people, Paul has been surprisingly good in the ring, impressing many observers, most of all himself. I told you, Ariel, I was going to fuck him up. I told you I was going to fuck him up, and I fucked him up. Paul's knockout of Tyron Woodley even impressed his older brother Logan. Jake's co-star in many of their home videos, and also one of the biggest celebrities in the virtual world. 
ESPN called Jake's win against Tyrone Woodley the knockout of the year. Yeah. What did you think when you heard that? I have never seen a knockout like that. Like what? I've been watching combat sports my whole life, and Tyrone Woodley's tough. He's a tough guy. And Jake turned him off. He hit the off switch on a guy who historically doesn't really have an off switch. Sports Illustrated uh, called Jake the 2021 breakout boxer of the year. All right, this is getting ridiculous. (laughs) No, come on, bro. Enough with the accolades. (laughs) Cut the shit, dude. Spoken like a big brother. It's It's getting to his head. For the Paul brothers, the climb to stardom began about eight years ago, when they were just two anonymous teenagers in Ohio. Can we get uh, two tickets to paradise? Or do you not sell them? Human hurdles! That's when they began posting videos of their silly antics online. And the more absurd they behaved, the more people watched. Jake and I made content that I, I think now was incredibly immature, but entertaining. And I can't look back at it now and watch it, but anything that would make people go, whoa. Hey, we made people go, whoa. Yeah, again and again and again. <laughs> yeah, every day for a very long time. Critics called them sophomoric and crass, but the brothers say that behind the madness, there's a method. People don't think YouTubers are talented or influencers are talented but they're actually far more talented than people think and creative and hardworking. And they're, think about it, I'm the producer, the filmer, the editor, hmm. the writer, the set assistant, I'm getting the props, I'm the director, I'm the talent, and I'm the network. And as time went on, Jake became a lot of other things too, converting his internet fame into new opportunities. With little acting training, he landed a regular role on a hit Disney show. With no musical background, he wrote and recorded a video that got 300 million views on YouTube. It's every day, bro, with the Disney Channel flow. Five million YouTube in six months, never done before. But the more his star rose, the more he had to keep upping the ante on his wild antics eventually landed him in trouble. He is a social media megastar. His name is Jake Paul. A recent stunt involved tossing furniture into an empty pool and setting the pile on fire. A lot of the neighbors are complaining. They're very upset. No, why? Why? They say that you've created a living hell out here. Uh. Paul says when he climbed on top of the local news van and mocked what was going on, his online reputation changed for good. Since that moment, I became the villain. Do you enjoy being the villain? I do. I can play the villain. (laughs) And uh, that's what I've done. And to be honest, it's a little bit more fun because all the nice, respectful stuff in my profession doesn't get very far. Indeed, the not-so-nice, disrespectful stuff does draw more attention. But it can also lead to cancellation in an instant. A lesson the brothers learned when one of Logan's videos sparked global outrage. From Japan's so-called suicide forest, Logan showed the body of a dead person hanging from a tree. Social media star Logan Paul is apologizing after fans blasted him for posting a video of a suicide victim over the weekend. How did that crisis affect you? I realized there's, (laughs) surprise, more important things in life than just fucking views online. Mm. 
What about your values? What about your morals? Mm. Are you a good person? Mm. I always believed I was, but I didn't do a good thing. Mm-hmm. So what went, what went wrong? Let's figure that out. Let's dissect it and let's be better. How did it affect Jake? He experienced the ripple effect of all of it. Like I had nothing to do with it, right? But now it's like the Paul brothers suck. You know, I lost a $10 million deal that week. And I was basically blackballed for 18 months from the industry. No auditions, uh, no brand deals, no sponsorships. It was one of the worst moments of my life. But then the brothers were thrown a lifeline from across the Atlantic Ocean when their British counterparts, a pair of brothers who were themselves YouTube celebrities, challenged them to a pair of boxing matches. Despite having never boxed before, the Pauls jumped at the opportunity to turn the page on their troubles and get paid. Jake, with his outsized personality, was a natural at hyping the fight. I got you something, Deji, for those man movies. And though he wasn't quite such a natural in the ring, he did enough to back up his big talk. He's looking for the big punch to end this. Can he get it? The referee's going to step in for us. The towel has been torn in. And how did it feel to win that first fight? Of all the stuff we had gone through recently with my brother and the cancellation and everyone wanting to see us fail, it was sort of like a, uh, a fuck you to the world. Mm. You can't beat me. I'm here to stay. So Jake Paul, who'd once made himself into a star actor and then into a star rapper with virtually no prior experience at either, decided he'd now try to make himself into a star boxer. He gave himself a ring nickname, a very fitting one. Introducing the problem child. And signed on for another fight against another YouTube star. After that, he fought again, this time against a basketball star. Before finally trying his hand against a real fighter, a professional in mixed martial arts. Paul won again. Now, Paul says, he considers boxing his full-time job, and in fact, his entire life. Which is why he moved here, to the island of Puerto Rico, where he now lives in relative isolation and trains to fight full-time. Of all the places in the world that you can encamp and do your thing, why Puerto Rico? I knew I needed to get away from distractions if I wanted to become the best boxer I could possibly be. And going to a place where I basically had no friends and I could just train every single day, that was, that was the right move for me. Yet even as Paul's tried to avoid distractions and negative attention, they've had a way of finding him. Last year, a TikTok personality named Justine Paradise posted a video in which she alleged that Paul had forced her to perform oral sex on him. I'm saying this publicly about Jake Paul. Hopefully, he's freaking embarrassed and realizes what he did and doesn't do it again. What is your response to that allegation? She completely fabricated every single part of that video. Uh, I never have even spoken to her. Hmm. And it's someone who is begging for attention and trying to strip down a star. No arrest, no, no case. No, of course not. Any civil litigation or settlement negotiation? Nope. Last summer, with the allegations still swirling, 
Paul tried to change the narrative, signing on for a pair of fights against the former UFC champion. He won both, so decisively in fact, that some began to wonder, might Jake Paul actually be good at this? Give me the scouting report on Jake Paul. How good a boxer is he or can he be? He's big. He's quite athletic. I think he can punch quite hard. Now, is he good? Not really. Is he going to go and win a world title? Absolutely not in a million years. Eddie Hearn is heir to the Hearn family boxing empire, which has been promoting major fights for decades. Hearn actually helped promote Paul's first pro fight, but says he didn't do a second one because he didn't want to participate in another fight based on celebrity, not skill. Jake is not a boxing talent. Let's just get that clear. You don't become a great boxer at 26, 27, 28, like that stage in your life. It doesn't happen. Of course, Paul disagrees. And for motivation, he's posted a photo of Hearn in his ring with a caption saying, wait till he fights a real boxer. I like to be realistic. And me losing is not realistic. You trying to say you're indestructible, unbeatable? Unbeatable. I have one punch knockout power. Someone has to fight me perfectly, defensively, to get out of their life. While few in the sport share Paul's assessment of his talents, none can deny his ability to attract eyeballs and attention in a sport that has, over the years, grown increasingly desperate for both. We have to be smart enough to know that, at times, there's a benefit to this madness. For economic reasons? To bring a new audience. Mm. You know, he's creating noise. Any noise for boxing is good. Which is why Eddie Hearn has actually decided to team up with Jake Paul again. Not Jake Paul the boxer, but Jake Paul the promoter. Yes, Paul has added yet another line to his resume. He and Hearn are co-promoting a fight this month between the two top female boxers in the world. And thanks to Paul's marketing savvy, he's been able to guarantee his fighter, Amanda Serrano, at least a million dollars, one of the largest paydays in the history of women's boxing. To think I'd be in Madison Square Garden as a promoter, dressed in a suit, promoting the <laughs> biggest female boxing event of all time, it is, it's surreal. Meanwhile, I'm fighting, knocking people out. It just, it's so cool. Personally, I'm done doubting Jake Paul because he's proven me wrong every single time. Whatever the kid does, he wins. The Midas touch? It's not like a Midas touch. It's like a Midas fucking, like, clobber. <laughs> Just as Paul has been changing boxing, it seems boxing has returned the favor, giving Paul purpose beyond just getting attention and maybe even taking some of the problem out of the problem child. Boxing forces you to become the best version of yourself physically, mentally, spiritually. Otherwise, that's going to show in the ring. And when you are a boxer, it's the hardest thing in the world. So everything else in life becomes easy. And I'm now joined by boxing writer for Sports Illustrated and broadcaster for DAZN, Chris Mannix. Chris, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. So, Chris, when did you first watch Jake Paul in a boxing ring? And at first blush, what did you think? So, Jake first fought, at least in front of me, on the undercard of the Logan Paul 
KSI. And I remember thinking at the time that Jake wasn't going to be much of anything. He had fought another YouTuber. He had won by first round knockout. But while I was kind of overall impressed by Logan Paul, in a way, Jake felt to me just kind of like the younger brother along for the ride. It didn't seem like he had, I don't know if it's ambition or the bona fides or the things that made Logan feel like he you know, might be able to pull something off in the boxing space. And even after that fight, I just remember thinking that may be the last time we see Jake Paul in a boxing match. As a longtime fan and follower of the sport, did it upset you to see the Paul brothers even attempting this sort of stunt, this takeover of boxing? Not really. Boxing has long been a sport with no barriers for entry, which is why you've seen sumo wrestlers get involved with wrestling in the way that uh, Muhammad Ali experienced. Butterbean for years was an attraction, despite the fact that he really didn't have any kind of legitimate boxing background. So seeing YouTubers get into the mix, it didn't surprise me at all. In fact, I've long been of the belief that boxing created that avenue of entry. You know, boxing in the last 30, 40 years has gone from a sport that would compete for ratings with the NBA and the NFL to one that is kind of mired in the same ratings fight as Major League Soccer and professional lacrosse. It's just, it's been a sport that's been so self-damaging and has inflicted so much of the problems on itself that it's allowed popular guys like the Paul brothers to step into the ring, to harness their social media following and to build something. So when Logan and Jake Paul got into boxing, I I viewed it more as an indictment of where boxing was as a sport and not any kind of dismissiveness towards Jake or Logan Paul. So perhaps you're not surprised that we've gotten to this place, but given what you saw When you first set eyes on Jake Paul, could you ever have imagined that his boxing gambit would become as lucrative, as successful as it has? Not over the first couple of fights. It really wasn't until he fought and defeated Tyron Woodley going the distance with Woodley that I really started to believe that Jake Paul could fight. Now, there were signs that he was taking boxing more seriously than people were giving him credit for. He enlisted a guy like BJ Flores to be his trainer, a former cruiserweight contender. He seemed committed in the gym, wasn't just showing up you know, for three weeks, four weeks at a time. He was going into two-month-long training camps for these fights. He was studying the sport at a high level, trying to get better, and you could see signs of him getting better. I mean, Jake Paul has legitimate cruiserweight power. Like, he can crack with that right hand. And we've seen it happen with Ben Askren, with Tyron Woodley, with Nate Robinson. Like he, that power is not fictionalized. That's real power that he possesses. But it wasn't until he went the distance and won a decision against Woodley, who is an MMA fighter, but is an experienced combat sports fighter who came into that fight in great shape with a little bit of a boxing background. It wasn't until then that I started to think that Jake Paul might have some staying power and might be able to put on big events where he's selling out real venues and doing real numbers on pay-per-view. 
Well, even after the the Woodley fights, as we heard in that story, Eddie Hearn gave a rather matter-of-fact scouting assessment of Jake Paul. He said, quote, he's not a boxing talent. You, you agree? He's not a world championship level boxer, but he's never claimed to be. And he's never even indicated that was part of his career path. Maybe winning a world title at some point is on his radar, but he's looking to put on events, not rise on pound-for-pound rankings. And my beef with that argument, which comes from both Eddie Hearn and a lot of the boxing purists and diehards, is that you look at the early fights that young, real prospects take. They fight absolute garbage. Most fighters, at the early stage of their career, Mm. the focus is building up their record to get to 15-0, 20-0. And it's only then do you start seeing Mm. them take on legitimate opponents. I would put guys like Tyron Woodley against many of the opponents that some of the quote-unquote real boxers, championship boxers faced in the first five or six fights of their career. I've had this discussion with my broadcast partner over DAZN, Sergio Mora, who has long been a Jake Paul skeptic. I've said, Sergio, look at the trash on your resume Early on, like you were fighting guys with losing records. You were fighting guys who shortly after fighting you were out of the game. So we have to dissuade ourselves of this notion that Jake Paul is fighting guys that no real boxer would actually face. When the reality is, guys like Tyron Woodley, and maybe this year, whether it's Tommy Fury or Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., these are not opponents that are any worse, in fact, they're probably better than the caliber of opponents that championship-level fighters were facing at this stage. You tweeted at one point, Jake Paul is living rent-free in the heads of so many in combat sports. You go on to say he's entertaining, making gobs of money, bringing in new, younger eyeballs while creating visibility for traditional fighters. So for all those who view him as something of a circus act, you believe he's good for the sport of boxing? Jake Paul is one of the better things to happen to boxing in years because put aside what he's doing for himself, which is what everybody seems to focus on. He's fighting a MMA fighter or he's fighting... Mm an actor turned boxer, or he's not fighting a legitimate guy. Jake Paul is doing real numbers on Showtime pay-per-view right now and drawing real crowds at non-traditional boxing cities, whether it's Cleveland, Ohio, or Tampa, Florida. He's doing legitimate crowds. And because of that, he is giving the kind of visibility to the fighters on his undercard that they have never received before. Amanda Serrano is about to fight in the biggest boxing match in women's boxing history. It is being called that in part because of Jake Paul. Because in the last year plus, Jake Paul has raised the visibility of Amanda Serrano far more than any of her world title fights could have possibly done. He has made her more of a household name by putting her as the co-main event on his cards in, in a big way. Montana Love, I am a boxing insider. Before Montana Love fought on Jake Paul's card, I didn't know who Montana Love was. He wins a fight, he gets a knockout, and all of a sudden, Montana Love signs a multi-fight deal with Eddie Hearn's matchroom promotion. So anyone who wants visibility, anyone who wants to raise their standing in boxing should be dying 
to fight on Jake Paul's cards because he's drawing viewers, he's drawing a new audience, and he's doing it in an entertaining way. Those efforts he's making as a promoter and some of what's gone along with it, antagonizing Dana White, advocating for higher pay for fighters, putting female boxers prominently on his cards. You know, is it part of the publicity playbook? Is it strategic? Or do you think it's part of a genuine interest on his part to reform this sport he's now a part of? I think Jake wants to encourage fighters not to wait until they're 20-0 and 0 or 25-0 and 0 or 30-0 and 0 before they take a real fight to make compelling fights. I think that has value in boxing. I'll admit, I am skeptical of Jake Paul's ability to be a full-time promoter outside of when he's holding events. Boxing promotion is a 24-7 type of job. There's a reason that only a handful of promoters have succeeded at the highest level. Bob Arum, who's done it for decades. Eddie Hearn, who's doing it right now. They are at the top of the promotional game at the moment. It's hard to be a boxing promoter. And I still wonder, even though Jake has told me and he's told others he's in this boxing game for the long haul, I still wonder if Jake Paul will be involved after he decides to hang up the gloves. As long as he's boxing, He's going to be great for whatever fighter is in his orbit at that time. But when he's done with boxing, I don't know if he'll have the appetite to put on club shows and be involved in the weeds of what can be a pretty stressful sport. But how is he doing it? How is he getting Amanda Amanda Serrano a million dollars? If he's not on the card, in practical terms, what is he doing with this orbit of fighters to get them more money and give them a greater platform? You are what people think you are in boxing. Amanda Serrano has been a seven-division world title holder for many years now. That's the kind of number you only see on the men's side with a guy like Manny Pacquiao. With all due respect, nobody cares. Like, they just don't. Like, especially when it comes to women's boxing, you're not going to become a star because of the number of titles that you have. In the last year, Amanda Serrano has become more marketable and for her able to make more money because she's been on Jake Paul cards and people have found her interesting. The Serrano-Taylor fight was always the biggest fight to be made in women's boxing because of the talent of the two women. It's it's happening at Madison Square Garden in front of what's likely going to be a sold-out or a near-sold-out crowd in the must-watch event of the month, of the weekend, whatever you want to call it, in part because Jake Paul has raised the visibility of Amanda Serrano and made more casual fans more interested in seeing her. Back to Paul's fighting future. In your January column, where you named Paul SI's 2021 Breakout Boxer of the Year. Yeah, and that went over really well among the boxing diehards. (laughs) I bet. And you rattled off at the very top of that column the list of Paul critics who were calling for him to fight better competition or just actual boxers. And you posed the contrarian question, why would he? This business model seems to be working just fine. So you mentioned some names earlier, but what do you think the future holds for Paul in terms of the sort of opponents he'll pick, um, whether he'll continue to draw the way he has, etc.? Look, Jake right now seems to have a bottomless well of retired or near-retired former boxers, MMA fighters, YouTubers, whoever it may be, <laughs> that want to get in the ring with him. Even his harshest of critics, whether it is Sergio Mora or a Tony Bellew, who's been critical of Jake over on the UK side, 
they would jump at the opportunity to get into the ring with Jake Paul because of the money that comes with fighting a guy like that. I think the key for Jake Paul is to keep making people believe, at the very least, that you're moving forward. You never have to move to a championship level. Jake Paul Canelo Mm -hmm. is not happening. Certainly not anytime in the near or immediate future. But if you go through this year facing a Tommy Fury, facing a Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., facing maybe even someone like Anderson Silva, who has started to show he can box a little bit with his win, over Chavez Jr. You're going to continue making a lot of money and drawing a lot of eyeballs. Where where I think Jake could peter out and his popularity could flame out is if he starts to get into that lane where he's fighting no-hopers. If he goes back to fighting the Nate Robinsons of the world or even the Ben Askrens of the world. Guys that go into these fights against Jake where you know they don't have a chance. That, to me, is the only thing that can stop the continued ascent of Jake Paul. But right now, the depth of his potential opponents, it's still there. And he still has a chance to make really compelling, marketable fights. So let me ask you to make a prediction. In five years, Chris, Jake Paul's place in the boxing world will be what? I think he's probably out of the boxing world at that point. I think it's certainly possible that in the next five years, Jake Paul could bite off a little more than he could chew. He could decide that, all right, I'm going to take on a legitimate champion. Look, you've got legitimate champions, top guys in their weight class, practically begging to fight him. Maris Breedis might be the best cruiserweight in the world. He's out there putting a fake tattoo on his leg, you know, calling out Jake Paul. There are heavyweights that I'm sure would love to get in the ring with Jake Paul. I can see Jake maybe taking on a challenge that's just too big. He's a very competitive guy. And I could see him, when he gets five or six more wins under his belt, maybe two or three years down the road, taking on someone that he's just not equipped to fight. And that may be the end for Jake Paul. He can go on and do many other things. He's a very compelling guy with a lot of options in his life and his career because of his social media following. So five years from now, I don't think Jake Paul will still be in this game, but I think he will have made a indelible mark on this game. Well, it's it's certainly been a fascinating, albeit bizarre, experiment to watch. I'm sure whatever he does next, whether we like it or not, people will be interested and will be watching. Uh, and we appreciate you, Chris, coming on to discuss. Thanks so much. My pleasure. And David Scott's story on Jake Paul is just part of this month's new episode of Real Sports. Also on the show, Bryant Gumbel introduces us to Rodney Stotts, a former D.C. drug dealer who turned his life around by finding success in the strange world of falcon hunting. Soledad O'Brien updates the remarkable story of Oksana Masters, nine-time Paralympic medalist who overcame a hellish childhood in Ukraine to become one of the most decorated athletes on the planet. And to mark this, the 300th episode of Real Sports, we share a montage of clips from old stories spanning the show's 28-year history. You can catch our 300th show and all recent episodes of Real Sports with Brian Gumbel on HBO Max. I'm your host, Max Gershberg. Thanks for listening. And please join us again next time.